0: You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. The text today is found in Luke chapter 22. And it's verses 39 through 46. And I'm going to read from the New International Version, the NIV. But before I do, let me give you a little bit of background of what's going on here. Jesus had just celebrated the Passover in the upper room with his disciples. And during this time, he was telling them, you know, I'm going to be betrayed I'm going to be killed. And he even breaks from tradition and says, this is my body which is broken for you, and this is my blood that is poured out for you. And he knows that his disciples are going to be scattered, that they're going to deny him, and he knows that Judas is going to betray him. And you would think, you know, just being human your natural tendency is to run away from danger. He could have easily left Jerusalem. He could have changed his, his pattern, but he doesn't do that. He makes it very easy for Judas to know exactly where he is. And so we come to our text and it says, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer, he went back to the disciples. He found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Well, three weeks ago, Pastor James began a series on praying with purpose, and he called it Praying with Purpose 101 because it's foundational. And in these three weeks, he's addressed questions like How should I pray? why should I pray? And last week was, what should I pray for? Well, as children of God, it's foundational that you and I have a connection with our Heavenly Father. And prayer in its most basic, simple form is just us speaking to our Father and then listening to His voice as He speaks to us. Isn't that cool? We can talk to God and He listens to our prayers. And he doesn't just listen to our prayers, but he answers us. A couple of weeks ago, I was driving home. It was night. I was in my Jeep. And anybody that owns a Jeep knows that that's not a good thing. And so I'm waiting to, to make a left-hand turn off of Oracle Road onto the street that, lives, that leads up to our house. And uh, Ruth and Andy were in the car behind me when all of a sudden, without any warning, my Jeep decided it was going to shut off and not restart. Kind of a Jeep thing. Ah, some of you understand. And so my first thought was, I'll I'll jump out and I'll push that Jeep across the three northbound lanes of traffic before the light changes. And I found out rather quickly that I wasn't going to be able to do that. I moved it about two feet. And then I walked back to where Ruth was sitting and she was already on the phone trying to call a tow truck and trying to get police assistance because by this time... People were backed up behind us, and they were just blindly turning left across traffic. And I was certain that at any moment we were going to be in an accident, There would be an accident, we'd be sitting right in the middle of it. And uh, to be honest with you, I was getting a little bit anxious. In fact, I was kind of scared. So there we were, you know, trying in our own strength, with our own resources, taking the steps to solve our problem. And during this time, my daughter, Andy, was praying. And she prayed that God would send somebody to help us. And as she finished praying, a man pulled up in his truck. He had a toe strap in in the back and was able to pull me out of the middle of traffic. And so when we got back home, Andy was all smiles. And she looks at me and she says, see, Dad, prayer works. Prayer works. And so today we're going to continue our series. We're going to conclude it. And we're going to continue with the question what should I pray? And to do so, we're going to look again at the prayer life of Jesus as our example because he lived a life completely dependent upon his Heavenly Father. In the 1900s, early 1900s, there was a clergyman and a, a scholar named Alfred Plummer. And he wrote a commentary. It's a really good commentary on the gospel of Luke. And in it, he said that Luke is the gospel of prayer. And he said that because out of the four synoptic gospels, Luke by far has the most emphasis on prayer. And most of that emphasis is on the prayer life of Jesus. And so in Luke chapter 11, we see that a certain unnamed disciple sees the Lord's practice of prayer as a pattern that he and the other disciples should follow. And so he asked Jesus, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples to pray. Apparently he had realized that just as prayer had played a vital role in the life of John the Baptist and in the life of Jesus, that it should be a practice of the disciples as well. And so Jesus begins to instruct them. And he says, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us each day our daily bread forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one the new living translation it reads this way it says don't let us yield to temptation So what should I pray? Well, point number one is pray that you will not fall into temptation. At the beginning of his earthly ministry, after being baptized by John the Baptist, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, into the desert. And he fasted for 40 days and he prayed. And during this time, he was tempted by Satan. Now remember, temptation is not sin. Jesus Being God incarnate, 100% God, 100% man, he was tempted in every way, just like you and I are tempted, yet he was without sin. You see, we sin when we entertain that tempting thought, when we begin to mull over it and ruminate on it and it becomes an action. And so in our text, Jesus again tells his disciples, pray that you will not fall into temptation Now, I don't speak Greek, but I can look it up on Google, and the Greek word for temptation here is pyrasmos, and it could also rightly be translated as a test or a trial. In fact, Strong's Dictionary defines it as a putting to proof through adversity. And so what we see is that Jesus isn't telling his disciples, pray that you don't be tempted, But he's saying, rather, pray that you don't succumb, that you don't fall or give in to the temptation. All of us are going to be tempted. And so I want us to look at three general areas of temptation that all of us face as we explore how Satan tempted Jesus in Luke chapter 4. First, there's the temptation to do it yourself. You know, to rely on your own strength, your own resources, like I had done when my Jeep shut off. And in verse three, we read, The devil said to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. You see, one of the devil's strategies is to make you believe that God cannot be trusted. When the devil first came into the scene, the biblical picture at creation, he came in the form of a serpent. And what he basically said to Adam and Eve was, do you really believe that God is good? He's told you not to eat of that one tree because he knows that the moment you do so, you're going to be as wise as he is. He's not your friend. God's holding out on you. And so here we see Jesus or Satan suggesting to Jesus that there must be something wrong with the Father's love because his beloved son is hungry. Well, Jesus had a legitimate need. He hadn't eaten in 40 days, and so he was hungry. And Satan was tempting him to disobey the Father's will, to act independently from God and use his divine power to meet his basic needs. In an article written by John Piper, he says, temptation gets its power by persuading me to believe that I will be happier if I follow it. How many have ever said, I will be happier if? And you just fill in the blank. Well, the next temptation we all face is the temptation to take the easy way. You know, there's a lot of times when most of us want to push that easy button Because we don't want to go through the hardships or the trials or the test. And so there's that temptation to just take the easy way out. In verse 6, we see that the devil led Jesus to a high place. And he showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It's been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it'll all be yours. God had given man dominion over all the earth. But Adam abdicated that to Satan when he sinned and he willingly disobeyed God. He chose to live a life independent from God. And so all the, the authority and the splendor of the kingdoms of the earth had been given to the devil. And Here he is offering it to Jesus. A kingdom without the cross. And you can almost hear him hiss. Why go through all that trouble and pain to win the world when it could be handed to you on a silver platter? No suffering. No struggling. No sacrifice. What a snake. But you see... A crown without the cross would mean that there would be no forgiveness for our sins. Well, last we have the temptation to not believe it until we see it. Have you ever said, I won't believe it until I see it? And we all have that temptation. And having seen Jesus defeat him by quoting scripture two times, Satan now quotes it himself partially and for his own purposes. In verse 9, the devil led Jesus to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully that you will not, and they will lift you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. For Jesus to survive a fall from the pinnacle of the temple By having angels swoop down and catch him in full view of all the people, that would have immediately identified him as the Messiah. But Jesus understood that to start his ministry in this way would be contrary to God's will. It would be to put God to a test, almost like saying, God, I won't believe in you unless you show it to me by my terms. And Jesus didn't take that shortcut. Now, it's interesting to note that bread, the kingdom of God, and the direction of our worship, which are the things that Satan tried to use as he tempted Jesus, are the very same things that Jesus mentions when he instructs the disciples on how to pray. Jesus invites them to look to our heavenly Father as the provider of all these things. As you pray, give us this day our daily bread. Thy kingdom come, and hallowed be thy name. So what's our action step? Well, this week, be aware of the devil's schemes. uh, Paul tells us, don't be ignorant of the devil's schemes, of how he works. You see, the devil will place a tempting thought in your mind, and he does so in the first person singular tense, so that you believe that it's your thought And that's why we need to take every thought captive to bring it to obedience in Christ. And we do that by filtering it through Philippians 4.8. Let me show you what that looks like. You have a thought. What am I thinking? Is it true? Is that thought pure? Is it praiseworthy? Is it excellent? If I continue down that line of thinking and it becomes an action... Is it something that God would be pleased with? Is it a behavior that my spouse would approve of or something that I want my children to emulate? And if the answer is no to any of those questions, run away from it. Reject that thought as an attack from the enemy because you want to think those thoughts that are pure, noble, praiseworthy, good, excellent. Thank you. And so what should I pray? Point number two, pray for God's will to be done. In Jesus' life and in his teachings, as recorded by the Gospels, Jesus it shows that Jesus understood the importance of God's will when it came to his own place and that of his followers in redemptive history. See, Jesus modeled what it looks like to live a life, surrendered to God, and he demonstrated to his disciples that this life doesn't always take the easy course. We see this clearly depicted in the Garden of Gethsemane as he's in anguish, struggling and praying to his father. In his prayer, he acknowledges his own, the strength of his own will, but he also acknowledges his commitment to do God's. He says, not my will but your will be done. John characterizes the whole of Jesus' ministry in terms of conformity with the will of God. At one point, Jesus said to his disciples, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And so Jesus' ministry is described as an outworking of God's will. Jesus said, I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me and not my own will. Jesus' life was completely surrendered to God. He lived a life dependent on His Heavenly Father, and He modeled for us what that looks like. Jesus was obedient to God's will, even to death upon the cross. And it's because of His death and His resurrection that you and I have been enabled to now surrender our lives to God's will. See, God's will is both broad for all humanity, but it's also narrow to the life of the individual believer. His will for all humanity is that everyone would believe and be saved. Jesus tells us in John 6... For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And God's will for the individual is that we would be sanctified. Now, that's a big, scary word, but all it means is that's the process of us growing up to become more and more like Jesus. It's yielding to the Holy Spirit who works in us, changing us, transforming us, to be more like Christ. And so it's his will that we reflect his love, that our faith would be deepened, that our belief would be grounded in the truth of his word, and that our behavior would reflect that belief. See, that's the mark of true discipleship. In 1 Thessalonians, we read, It's God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his body in a way that is honorable. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. And Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good pleasing, and perfect. You see, God's interested in how we live our life, but it's not about following a bunch of rules. Rather, it's our behavior. What we do should reflect what we believe. Now, if your behavior is off, that's a good indication that your belief is off. And so, we need to understand what it is that we believe. Are we basing what we believe on the facts of God's word or on the philosophies of men and so God wants us to grow up to mature become more like Jesus to allow our lives to be filled with joy prayer thanksgiving 1st Thessalonians 5 tells us always be joyful never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So you can see, praying for God's will to be done is not so much what God is going to do, but it's what we are to do. And mainly what we are to do is to surrender our lives to God's will, to give up our independence, our self-governing, and our own plans And surrender that to God's will. We need to, in our heart, resolve to be predisposed to do God's will, whatever that is. So let's take a look at three areas, three things that will help us as we pray for God's will to be done. First, entrust yourself to God's loving authority. Sometimes we pray, God, show me your will for my life. And we want him to lay out the whole picture. Well, God rarely does that. You know, and and even though we don't mention it, I I think sometimes perhaps the reason we ask to know God's will in the first place is so that we can decide whether or not we want to follow it. (laughs) You know, maybe there's fear. God's going to ask me to do something that's not my preference. I can remember as a teenager in youth ministry, being terrified to pray God's will be done in my life because I was convinced that God was going to send me off to some remote area in Africa. (laughs) That's me in the second row. (laughs) Well, maybe you're so used to running your own life that, you know, in your own strength, your own resources, we're running, we're, we're just living this life but maybe you're so used to doing it in your own strength that you find it hard to trust or surrender your life to your heavenly father. You know, you you think of it kind of like gambling. You know, I'd hate to take the risk and then lose out or miss out. And so we need to answer this question. Do you trust that the will of God is acceptable, perfect, and pleasing? It's good for you. See, God is good. He knows what's best for us. But the bottom line is, we need to resolve to do God's will, whatever that is. God has a plan uniquely tailored for each and every one of us. Your plan is different from my plan. And God foreknew that before he created the earth. He, he created works that you should walk in. And so when we surrender our life to God's will, we're saying, God, let your purpose be done here on earth. Fulfill your purpose in me. And so next we need to focus on God's priorities. As a young Christian, I would read scriptures like 1 John 5, 14 and 15, but I would read them this way. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything, He hears us. And we know that He hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask Him. And then I would read scriptures like Luke 11, 9 and 10 that says, "'Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find.'" Knock and the door will be open to you. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open to him. And you see, because I was a new Christian and I believed the teaching of the faith and the prosperity messages that were so popular at that time, I completely missed the phrase according to his will. You see, I approach prayer the same way that I did as a, a boy when ever Sears and Roebuck would send their catalog. You know, the Christmas edition? And it would arrive in the mail. That was before the internet, but catalogs used to come in the mail. And I can remember as a boy, page by page, looking at all the toys I wanted to receive for Christmas. You know, I would pour hours over those. And I would mark the items that I wanted with a big M. And those are the items that I especially wanted, I'd put a check mark. And sometimes, if that wasn't enough, I would fold over the top of the page, you know, so that my parents would find it easier. Well, as Jesus continues his teaching, his instruction on prayer, he says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? You see, without realizing it, when I prayed, I was asking God for snakes and scorpions. But God, who knows the plans of my life, whose will is good, pleasing, acceptable in my life, chose to instead give me a fish and an egg. He gave me the Holy Spirit, who is my comforter, my teacher, and my guide. And it's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to live a life that is pleasing to His will. Is transforming us from the inside out making us more and more like Jesus. Again, God is good. And He knows what's best for us. And there might be some times that we don't like the situations that He leads us through. But we have to remember that God's plan, His eternal plan, is much more important than our pleasure here on this earth. And so when we pray... We need to pray according to God's will, according to his word, because his will is revealed in his word. And we need to check our motives. John 4 says, When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. And so let us ask, am I praying that God's will be accomplished in my life? through my life, that His purpose would be done here on earth as it is in heaven? Or am I just praying that God will fix it, that He'll rescue me, that He'll give me those things that I want to spend on my own pleasures? Well, finally, we can ask God's Spirit to help us when we pray. We're reminded in Romans chapter 8 that many times we don't know what God wants for us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us, believers, in harmony with God's own will. You see, the Holy Spirit is praying for us that God's will would be accomplished within us. And it's as we yield to the Holy Spirit that our life is transformed that we grow up spiritually and become more like Jesus, that our actions are then pleasing to our heavenly father. So our action step, oops, let me back up. Philippians 2.13, almost missed that scripture. It says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So God is working in us through the power of his Holy Spirit, transforming our lives for his good purpose. And so our action step is this week, surrender your life over to God's Spirit. Purpose to follow his will for your life, which is that daily you will grow up, that you'll surrender your life over to him. Not my will, that your will be done. And then let us pray according to God's word, because God's will is revealed in his word. You see, it was God's will to send Jesus to this earth. It was God's will that Jesus would willingly give up his life on the cross. And it was God's will that he would raise Jesus from the grave on the third day so that you and I can be free from sin and have eternal life. It's a gift. We can't earn it. It's by faith through grace that we are saved. God loved us so much that he gave his one and only son, his beloved son. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. See, God doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to come to repentance, to place their trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior, and make him the Lord of their life. He tells us that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, then we will be saved. And so this morning, if you're here and you've never placed your trust in Jesus, or you can't remember saying yes to Jesus, and making Him Lord of your life, I invite you to do so now as you pray with me this simple prayer. God, I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I'm so tired of trying to live my life in my own strength, with my own resources, and without you. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die for my sins. I confess that Jesus died on the cross for all of my sins, my past sins, my present sins, and even those sins that I may commit in the future. He died for them all. And I believe that he rose from the dead on the third day, just like the Bible tells us. today I receive your forgiveness and your grace as I choose to follow Jesus from this day forward in the fellowship of his church if you prayed that prayer with me would you mark it on your connection card or tell somebody before you leave that today I've placed my trust in Jesus I have said yes and I've made Jesus my Lord now heavenly father we acknowledge your lordship in our lives And we submit joyfully to your will, allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us so that we would reflect the love of Christ into this world. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.